You're listening to True Crime P.I., an investigative podcast that explores unsolved, missing, and unidentified persons cases from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. Welcome to True Crime P.I. I'm your host, Dana Pohl. In the United States, there are more than 200,000 unsolved, missing, murdered, and unidentified persons cases. In order for justice to be served, these cases need to be shared. So what are we waiting for? Let's solve a cold case. A cold case is defined as a case involving a violent crime, missing person, or unidentified person that has remained unsolved for at least three years. Cold cases lack significant leads and become stagnant. New cases come in every day and take precedence over the old. Without dedicated cold case units, these cases sit gathering dust while families anxiously await answers. When someone is missing or murdered, the ripple effect of their loss is immeasurable. Family members and friends are forced to carry the unbearable burden of not knowing for months, years, decades, and often a lifetime. Because 200-plus cold cases aren't going to solve themselves, I have partnered with Uncovered.com to bring you what I am calling cold case clips. A cold case clip is basically a mini-sode, a short version of a case. I will provide the audio while Uncovered.com provides the photos, timeline, map, important people, and validated sources. Here's how it works. Uncovered.com is a digital cold case database. Each visualized missing, murdered, or suspicious death cold case includes a case summary, pictures, an interactive map and timeline, links to source information, calls to action, and more. In addition to the database, Uncovered is building a true crime community focused on turning interest into advocacy. I joined Uncovered a little over a year ago and have been impressed with their training opportunities and their commitment to thoughtful citizen detective work. Community members engage in independent and collaborative research. As a member of Uncovered, I am inspired by the work that is being done to bridge the gaps and bring attention to these cases. Stay tuned. At the end of this episode, I will share a special offer from Uncovered.com. And now it's time for a cold case clip. If you are interested in an interactive experience, Uncovered's link to Jody Lee Ledkin's case file is in the show notes. Jody Lee Ledkins was 14 years old when she went missing from Kansas City, Missouri. On Thursday, May 23, 1985, Jody and her friend Melissa decided to skip school and hang out at Melissa's house on East 14th Street and Winchester Avenue. Later that afternoon, the girls decided to go to Jody's boyfriend's house, who lived about nine blocks away in the 700 block of Cambridge Street. According to reports, this was about a 14-minute walk. Upon arriving at the house, Jody and her boyfriend had an argument. Jody wanted to accompany her boyfriend and his friends to an unknown destination, but he and his friends refused to allow her to go. 
Reports differ here, so it's hard to know what came first, the argument or the snub. Upset that the evening had not turned out as planned, Jody walked back to Melissa's house. At approximately 10 p.m., Jody called her mother, Karen Stratton, and asked her for a ride home. Her mom explained that she did not have her car, and Jody said, quote, That's okay, Mom. I have some friends who will bring me home. Unquote. According to Melissa, when Jody left, she started walking north on Winchester Avenue. When Jody failed to return home that night, Karen notified the police. The officer told her that Jody was probably just angry about something and needed some time to cool off. Karen was concerned, but since Jody had run away in the past, she decided to wait for her to come home. She always came home, but this time was different. The sun rose on Monday morning, but no one had seen or heard from Jody since Thursday night. Karen knew something was wrong. Since the police had told her to wait it out, she decided to contact Jody's probation officer. At the time of her disappearance, Jody was enrolled in a juvenile probation program. A year earlier, she and a friend had gotten into trouble after a scuffle with a security guard. Jody was also having truancy issues at school. As a result, she was required to see a juvenile officer on a regular basis. After speaking with Karen, Jody's probation officer filed two warrants, listing her as an endangered juvenile and instructing law enforcement to arrest her if she was spotted. When the warrants were signed, Karen assumed that a missing persons report had been filed. For over a year, she hung missing persons posters, talked with Jody's friends, and searched the streets for her daughter. In July of 1986, the warrant for Jody's arrest expired, and her probation officer advised Karen to file a missing persons report. Karen was shocked and disappointed to learn that a report had never been filed. This meant that no one but Karen had been looking for Jody for nearly two years. It was 1987 before the official investigation into Jody's disappearance began. In 1989, Jody's probation officer received a letter. The letter was allegedly written and signed by Jody. She said she was doing well and that one day she might share why she decided to leave. The handwriting was compared to a letter that Jody had previously written to her probation officer, but the results were inconclusive. In 1993, Karen received a series of phone calls. The callers demanded money in exchange for Jody and threatened to send her body back in pieces if her mother did not comply. These calls continued for nearly two years. Karen recorded the calls and sent them to the police. The calls were traced to a Kansas City phone booth, but the callers were never identified. In addition, Karen received calls suggesting that Jody was involved in sex work, using drugs, and living on the streets. In 1997, two prison inmates claimed to have information about Jody's case. This information led police to drag the Missouri River. Jody's body was not found, but soon after, the Kansas City Police Department reclassified Jody's case as a probable homicide. 41 KSHB Kansas City covered Jody's story in October of 2020. In this article, Karen said that if Jody ran away and is living somewhere else, she doesn't blame her. 
because at the time, she and Jody's father were not getting along, and Jody's home life was dysfunctional at best. Although investigators initially thought Jody was a runaway, they now believe she was a victim of foul play. Karen moved to Arkansas after Jody's disappearance, but she returns to Kansas City a couple times a year to search for her daughter. She retraces Jody's steps, drives the old neighborhoods, and combs through all the notes she's taken over the years. But it still doesn't make sense to her. Karen said, quote, If I was detached and I just heard this story, I would say, that little girl's gone. But no, I'm not going to say it. I hope she comes home or at least calls me. Unquote. At the time of her disappearance, Jody Lee Ledkins was 5 foot 1 inches tall and weighed 90 pounds. She had blondish brown hair and blue eyes. She had a small mole under her chin, a large birthmark under one of her arms, an appendectomy scar, and she wore large round glasses. Jody has been missing for 36 years. If you have information regarding the disappearance of Jody Lee Ledkins, please contact the Kansas City Police Department at 816-889-1442 or the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children at 1-800-THE-LOST. As always, it is my belief that together we can help find the missing, give the unidentified back their names, and provide answers to families who have been forced to carry the unbearable burden of not knowing. And now, drum roll please. I have a special offer to share with all of you. As part of our partnership, Uncovered is offering True Crime PI listeners the opportunity to join their community for just $1. Use the code PI10 at checkout and you'll receive a $10 discount for Uncovered's community-level membership. The membership link and the promo code are in my show notes. So what are you waiting for? Become a member today. Let's solve a cold case. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter, like our True Crime PI Facebook page, and join our Facebook group to discuss the case featured in each episode. If you enjoy this podcast, please take a minute to rate and review it. Ratings and reviews attract listeners and ultimately result in more exposure for these cases. Visit my website at truecrimepi.com to suggest a case, and if you're feeling generous, click on the Buy Me a Coffee link to support this podcast. Thank you for listening. True Crime PI is written and edited by Dana Pohl. Theme music, CD Streets, and Come Out and Play, written and performed by the very talented Darren Curtis at darrencurtismusic.com.